You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. Well, I want to thank all of you that sent the church messages. Uh, A lot of people send the church messages on Facebook, and that's really nice because we get to read them, and uh, they're real time. And some of you that are my friends on Facebook, you send me personal message, but there was two of them that really uh, stood out this week. Uh, We preached a message last week called, It's in Transit. And uh, man, you you guys were hashtagging it and everything. See that? When the Holy Spirit showed me, this is what he showed me. How many of you, you order stuff on Amazon, right? I am so OCD that if I order something at 3, at 3.45, I got to go see where it is. So it'll say it hasn't shipped, and then I'll check like an hour later. Did it ship? Like, I just, I just, that's just who I am. Because you know what? I want whatever it is I ordered, and I want it now. And actually, they got same-day delivery on some stuff. Isn't that amazing? It's like, how did they know? Where are they? Anyway. So this is what I saw. It's in transit. And look at that. It's on angels' wings for delivery. My team did a great job with that. We were talking about Daniel last week and how he prayed. And as soon as he prayed, the answer was in transit. And actually, angels did bring it. That's really cool. Uh, We had come off the fast last week, and we knew that there were going to be some answers. So a young lady wrote wrote me a message. I'm not going to say her name, but. It was Tuesday. That was the 24th day. I told you something's going to happen on Tuesday. Remember that? How many of you remember from last week? Something's going to happen Tuesday. Well, this young lady needed a car, and uh, the only way she could get that car is she needed $2,500. She didn't have the money. But her cousin, I believe, just happened to be coming over to visit with her, and her cousin said to her, so how are you doing? Everything? She's going, well, I really need this car because I got a blessing of a new job but I don't have $2,500. She said, get in the car. Let's go pay that $2,500. I'll lend it to you right now. I'm not going to say who it was, Beatrice, but it was really (laughs) such a blessing. There was another man who, I don't know, I think it might have been his first Sunday, and uh, he wrote this really long story, but the gist of it was that he had left his job and started a transportation business. And, you know, he just started. So when you start a new business, listen, the key when you start a business is don't quit. Let me tell you something. I started a church. (laughs) Believe me, it would have been easy to quit after a month or two. But when you know it's from God, don't quit because it's in transit. So he came in. He heard the message. He was like, that's got to be us. He, he, you ever go to, he said, he said he felt like he was being spoken directly to. Were you ever like that in church? You know, you felt like they were talking to you, and all of a sudden you're sweating. You're like, is everybody looking at me? But uh, he said he went home. This is making a long story very short. And he, he looked at his wife, and he said, wait a minute. We have this business, right? And, and we're not going to quit. It's in transit. He says to his wife, do you realize what the names of our trucks are for our business? Ford Transit. 
And he was like, God just sealed it to him right then and there that it's in transit. No pun intended, because his business was in transit. But now, you know, we talked about being in transit, and the next part, my favorite thing when I'm going to look for the delivery is this next one. It has, don't you just love that? Like, even if I'm at church and it's delivered to the house, and I'm like, wait, where's that package? You know, it's got that red line, right? Every time you go there, the red line's a little further. And it's like, it has arrived. And you get a little text, your shipment has arrived. I get excited. I don't even have it yet. But I'm excited because I know I've got it. I know it has arrived. And today's message, and look who signed for it. Don't have to worry about it. The Holy Spirit signed for it. When the Holy Spirit signs for it, you know it's still going to be on your doorstep. You know, I was telling the people in the first service, you know, when I was growing up, if they would have had Amazon, it wouldn't have worked. I said, when I was growing up, if they would have had Amazon, it wouldn't have worked. Do you know why I'm saying that? If you do, raise your hand, because you grew up around me. Because not one package would have lasted on a doorstep. Trust me on this. Wait, you don't have to rob the house? You can just rob the package? It's brand new? It's there? Anyway, read my book. You'll understand. But I want to talk to you today about this fact. First things first. The kingdom of God has arrived. You know, people are looking for something. And even some people here just came to church looking for something. And people will go, like, I need to go to that place in Arizona where there's this revival. Or I need to go to Florida because the Holy Spirit's moving real there, real powerful there. Let me, let me tell you something. You don't have to go anywhere. Right. The kingdom of God has arrived. Right. It is here right. now. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to chase some great speaker. You don't have to chase some ministry. You don't have to get into a plane to go 42 hours to find the Holy Spirit, to find the kingdom of God, to find the power of God, to find the anointing of God. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's great to go to conferences and all that, but it's meaningless if you don't understand that it has arrived and that it is here and that it's in you. Luke chapter 17, in verse 20, Jesus he had just healed 10 lepers because the kingdom had arrived. Remember, and they, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And one of them came back and gave glory to him. So these Pharisees see all this stuff going on, but they still asked him a question. When's the kingdom going to come? Because their idea of the kingdom was Israel's going to be in charge. The Romans are out of here. It's going to be like the old days. King David, we beat everybody. <laughs> and he said to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Really? So it doesn't come with the ability to see it. Well, first of all, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation of some, listen, the kingdom of God is here right now. I don't have a sign to show you, hey, it's over here. Jesus said, it's not going to be when they say it's here 
or it's there, it's in Florida, it's in London now. The kingdom of God is in you. I didn't mean to say London, by the way, Pastor Terrence. <laughs> no reference to London. The kingdom of God is not only, and that word in the Greek doesn't mean just that it's within you, it means it's among you. Jesus was saying, I'm here, so the kingdom's here. But at the same time, it's going to be within you. Because he said, when I go to the Father, there's going to be even more power in you. I'm not going to leave you alone. It's going to be you and me and me and you. It doesn't come with observation. But this word for observation in the Greek, the root of it really means with hostile observation. Hostile, hostile observation. Do you notice people that come to churches and they have a preconceived notion about how things should go? And when it doesn't go for that way that they like, they get hostile. Tell me, come on, let's be honest here. Have you ever gone to a church and got a little hostile? Come on. If you're hostile today, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but there are many people that come to our church or any church, and as soon as they see some, I've seen people come in, and as soon as they saw the worship, leave. I've seen that numerous times. Why? Because they have a hostile observation. There's lights. There's people under 50 singing. There's people putting their hands in the air. What's the matter with them? There's people exciting. There's, it's a diverse church with every race, color, and creed. I came, I want to go to a segregated church. Oh, yeah. Somebody say amen. Let's get real here, people. You know, North Brunswick wants to have a march for diversity. They talked to me about it a little bit. And you know what? I'm going to tell you what. I really don't want to do it because it's not even on my radar. I go to Grace Church. This is my family. I don't see it. I don't, I might do it, but I, it just right away. I'm like, why? I was sitting there with the police chief and the mayor, and I go, I don't need it. Come here on Sunday at 9 and 11, 15. We're doing it. I don't need to march for it. Why should I march for it? It's something I live. Maybe you should have me preach the message there. For the rest of the churches that are all black or all white or all Latino, don't come to me. Yeah, yeah, I, it gets me mad. I'm like, why don't you? I, well, actually, the mayor was here. I go, do you remember? Like, why are you coming to me? I know how it works. It's the same spirit, the same Jesus, the same mind and judgment. That's who we are. Amen. I mean, look around you. This is one culturally diverse church. Would you please look around? I'm going to the newspaper. I'm going to say, forget the march. Come here. Want to see how it works? Here's how it works. And why do we got to march something that's ingrained in who I am and who we are? And if it's not, you won't last here. And now I'm going totally off message. <laughs> But it doesn't come with, with violent or hostile observation. Listen, the kingdom of God, the power of God, the anointing of God comes when people have childlike faith. Like, I'm just coming here, and whatever God has for me, I want it. It doesn't matter what they do. If they spit on the ground and rub it in my face, 
That's what Jesus did. Spit on the ground. Imagine you're the blind guy sitting there, like you're excited. You hear like Jesus is here, and the next thing you hear is, you're like, what the heck? Jesus spits? And the next thing you know, you got a wet substance in your eye. Or how about this? You can't hear, but you can see. You see Jesus go like this. And let me put that. What, what, can I put that in your ear? Who's got bad hearing? Can I put it in your ear? Uh, that's what he did. He wet willied him. Could you imagine? But people come here and are here who all they do every week is they come and see how we're going to do the worship and how Pastor Joe's going to do it. They come with their own ideas and their own hostile. Oh, boy. It's not people, though. It's a spirit. Listen to me. It doesn't come with that kind of observation because we walk by faith, not by sight. The kingdom of God is within so look at the person next to you and say, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, you just told somebody that the kingdom of God was within them, and they told you that the kingdom of God was in you. Who was right, both of you? The kingdom of God is within us. Man, it has arrived. It has arrived. So number one, the kingdom has arrived. Number two, the power has arrived. But each one of these things that has arrived, and nothing arrives from God without resistance. Nothing arrives from God without resistance. So when I, and let me tell you something. I, when I'm preaching, I can see who's under a cloud. I can see who's got a hostile look. It's not personal. You think that the enemy wants us to thrive and survive and recognize who we are in Jesus here? You know what he's the most afraid of, people? You being more aware of the Holy Spirit. You being more aware of who's inside of you. You being more aware of who you are. His deception is that the kingdom of God is not in you. That's his deception. So number two, it's the power. Look at Luke chapter 5. Verse 17, now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. Now this isn't just when he's walking along the way in the Pharisees. First, he was out in the streets. He got the question. Second, he was in home group. Pastor Gordy, he was in home group. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. Sunday morning is a great thing. It's a fantastic thing. There are more healings, more deliverances, more breakthroughs in ladies' Bible study, men's Bible study, and home groups than there'll ever be in this whole room. Why? Because you're in a small group. You talk. You interact. Our marriage, the greatest breakthrough of our lives, happens in a couple's group. When she finally broke through and told me to shut up, <laughs> she found her voice. And I became like a meek little mouse. Oh, my God. Truth be told, get in a small group of some kind. That's how I require people that sing in the worship team or do all these things. I want to know that they're in a small group. 
Because it's easy to hide in a big group, everybody. It's so easy to hide and never really deal with your stuff. Get to a couple's group. Get to, get to a ladies' Bible study. I know some of you can't do all of it, but get to something. We have so much of it. Amen? Listen, it's great that the teens come to church, but on Friday, with their peers, they can cry, they can break. The Emerge group, these, these, this 20-something group that everybody says is this or that, and I say they're mighty and strong and powerful and life-changing, only if they help out with the all-nighter. They're phenomenal. But uh, they get together on Tuesday night. My son never gets home. They stay there till midnight praying and worshiping because when they get on their own, it's powerful. Small group is a powerful place. But even when Jesus, and when Jesus led a small group, he was in a house, right? But when Jesus leads a small group, you got a lot of people. I mean, the Robinsons, they're really good at small groups. Like when they led small groups, like 30 people show up. Now they had to divide it up, you know? But I'll tell you, Jesus had a small group. There was a line going around the block. But the people that got the best seats were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were sitting by. Sitting, when you see a person who's sitting watching Jesus nine times out of ten, it's because they're sitting in judgment. Oh, what's he going to do today? What are they going to do today? How's he going to do it? Is he going to spit again? That's really disgusting. <laughs> Is he going to turn water into wine? Does he know how much wine he made? Whatever they're thinking. Amen? You know, and they had come out of every town and all, from all over. But I want to tell you this. And we know they were hostile. You know why? Because it says in the scriptures, if you read on in the story, they got angry. They were upset. And we know he ends up healing a guy. There was a guy outside on a stretcher, and because there were so many people around Jesus, everybody had taken the front rows. You know, most of the leaders of the church sit up in the front couple of rows. Amen? Don't anybody in these first front couple of rows be hostile. Don't any of you be looking with a hostile observation, because you know what you do? You keep somebody that's paralyzed from coming up to the front. Oh, can I get an amen for that? <laughs> See, Jesus was, he was surrounded by religious people, people that were watching, people that had hostile observation. But even amidst that, guess what? The power of the Lord was what? There's nothing that can stop the power of the Lord being present. And the power of the Lord is in you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the power of the Lord is where? Acts 1, when Jesus left, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How many of you here put your faith and trust in Jesus? How many of you have the Holy Spirit on and in you right now? Wow, there must be a lot of power here. But I got to tell you, there's no less power than when you're on your own at Best Buy. Because wherever you go, or Nordstrom's. All right, there's more power in Nordstrom's. No, no, there's less power in Nordstrom's. Walmart is full of more power. But point being, you know where the power is? Wherever you are. Wherever you are is where the power is. 
We, we, you know, we need to tell each other that. So look at somebody that you love, <laughs> the person next to you, <laughs> and say, the power, the power is in you. Is in you. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. It's my favorite Greek word. Dunamis, 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 dunamis. Dunamis! I just love that word. Because the first thing I learned about that word was that the word dynamite came from the word dunamis. Now, I have six kids. Everybody's got different personalities. Uh, my first two daughters are calm, pretty much, like their mom. My third daughter, Jackie, they say she's like me. Calm, too. And uh, no, my third daughter, Jackie, she's something else. They call her, she's a firecracker. From now on, we're calling her a stick of dynamite. If she's going to be like me, because I want to be dynamite. I want to be dunamis dynamite wherever I go. You know, the Holy Spirit said to me just to picture a stick of dynamite in my head. And I did, and it looks so harmless until somebody lights the fuse. And then that little thing could change a lot of things. That's the kind of power that we have inside of us. It's like a stick of dynamite wherever we go. Wherever we go. So right now, this room could literally explode. This room could, should we really light it? <laughs> That's a good word. Maybe we should light this up. Maybe we should light the fuse and see what happens. I'm game. No, I'm game. You know I'm game. I'll do whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Trying to figure out how we're going to do that. Holy Spirit, let me know. Finally. <laughs> The last thing, so the kingdom is present, and where the kingdom is, the power is present, and then finally, the anointing is present. The anointing is the, the empowerment to use the power of the kingdom. I just made that up. How's that sound? It's a good definition. It's the empowerment, because they would anoint a king, they would anoint someone else. We've anointed leaders. We've anointed elders and pastors. It's an empowering them to minister in the kingdom with that dynamite power. Amen. So in Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus came back from Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he came to where he had grown up. You know, it's funny when I think about this now, but you can think about this personally, but remember when you first got saved and then you went back to your friends and tried to lead them to Jesus? I went back to Studio 54. Guess what? They didn't leave like me. I left like them. I went back to the bar. They didn't leave like me. I left like them. But I'll tell you right now, I could go to the bar now, and I'm not going to leave like them, and hopefully somebody's going to leave like me. That's 
but I'm not going to the bar, okay? So, unless the Holy Spirit tells me to. But he went to where he was brought up. And how many of you know when you go back to the peeps that you knew before, that most of them are not saying, could you preach me a sermon? Because the prophet doesn't have honor in his hometown. And it's funny, I literally was born in North Brunswick and uh, came back here through a series of events. And 26 years ago, we lived in Edison, but somehow we were looking for a house. We drove down a street. We said, we love this house. Let's move there. We did, and once she sees something she wants, it's just like, I couldn't get her off that house. I tried everything. So we ended up buying the house, literally not even thinking about the fact that it was in North Brunswick. And forgetting that I was even back in the place where I was born. And then later on, my father brought a picture into this church and showed me as a four-year-old kid with a little water pistol in my hand, shooting at a target. And he said, do you know where that happened? Right across the street. So I'm back in my hometown, and most of you are not from North Brunswick. Amen? Amen? Some of you are, the ones that don't know me. But they were like, oh, that's Joseph's son. So they had a hostile observation. So we went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Oh, Jesus went to church on the right day, as was his custom. I'm going to tell you something, Christians and non-Christians alike. If you can't get the habit of going to church on Sunday, you'll never get any of the power or any of the anointing because that is the most simplest of simple things to do. You're invited to God's house, go. I mean, that's, that's pass and go. Amen? In Monopoly. That's buying your first piece of property. So we went then on the right day and he got to read. He got handed the reading. That's how the Jews did it. They did it for people that came to church. That's why if this is your first day, don't tap on my shoulder and tell me that you have a word for the church. Everybody say amen. I don't know you. I don't know if you worship Satan. I have no idea what you want to say to the church. But you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to turn around with you and kindly say, not today you don't. <laughs> because it's happened numerous times. And it shows you that even Jesus respected the fact that it's a church and they have their customs and I'm going to abide by those customs. I'm not going to push myself on them in that way. But they gave him the reading. They handed him the book. And he opened the book, and he found in Isaiah where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. I heard this a long time ago, and I love it. What do the poor need to hear? That you don't have to be poor. I said, what do the poor need to hear? That you don't have to be poor. I said, what do the poor need to be here? That you don't have to be poor. He has sent me to heal the crushed. That's really what that word means, crushed. Some people are crushed physically, you know. It's like sickness that just won't, they can't seem to shake. Anybody? There's a lot of people here. 
that are dealing with something. People who will just deal something, especially old Italians. I don't know what's wrong with you people. I don't know if Latinos do this, but I know Italians do. It's like a guy, especially guys, they could be dying. Like there could be a tumor in their gut the size of a softball, and they'll be like, nah, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm fine. Oh, God. I never understand it. I never understand it. People can do that. Just, just live with something. Why would you live with it when God can heal you right now? To proclaim liberty to the captives. I remember being in captivity. The Greek word really means that you got a spear to your side or a gun to your head. And you know, my whole life without Jesus, I felt like I had a gun to my head. And by the time I was 27, I wanted to pull the dang trigger. Because I figured it would be better off to just be dead than to live another day on this earth the way I was living it. And that's when somebody set me free. His name is Jesus. He took the gun away. And he set me free. So, recovery of sight to the blind, that doesn't necessarily mean people that are blind, but Jesus healed a lot of them. It means people that are looking at everything hostily and not seeing what's really going on. And that means for non-Christians and Christians. Ooh. Because some Christians can't see beyond the religion in front of their eyes. They can't see that they have a cloud on them. And wherever they go, they're not bringing life and love. They're bringing a job. They're bringing work. And they'll pray over you and tell you you got to do this and that. Instead of saying, you know, God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. It can all change today. If anybody in our church prays for you something different, let me know. Because it's not about what you need to do. It's about what has arrived already. And he's already done. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Have you ever been oppressed in your life? You just feel like there's a cloud over your head and you're just being pushed down and pressed. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That word tribulation is a Greek word, flipsis, which means pressure from above. Do you ever feel like just pressure, financial pressure, health pressure, emotional pressure, pressure on your marriage, pressure on your family, pressure on your kids? You feel like you're under a cloud. Today, that cloud's going to be lifted. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What's the acceptable year of the Lord? It's the year of Jubilee. That was every 50 years. But Jesus is saying, when I'm here, when my kingdom is here, my power is here, my anointing is here, the Jubilee is here. You know when the acceptable time is? It's right now for you. It's right now for you. It's right now for you, young lady. Today is your day. Young lady, I want you to know, it's all for you. Today is your day. For everybody else here that's under any kind of cloud, today is your day. It's getting broken. It's getting lifted. It's good to cry. Get it out. Good. Get that stuff out of your body. It's poison. If you have unforgiveness or offense, bleed it right now in the spirit. Just release it right now.
Because the power and the anointing, the empowerment to use that power is in us and it's on us today. And the acceptable time to do it is now. Everybody do me a favor. Just bow your head right now. I want to make sure that there's no one held captive in their sin right now. I was there when I was 27. The only way out I saw was suicide. But then I met Jesus and he set me free. He set me free. I, I felt walled in. I felt trapped. And I thought the only cure is death and I can have peace forever. But you know what? It would have been forever torment. But eternal peace is only found through Jesus Christ, putting your faith in him. He died on the cross for our sins, took the punishment we deserve. Then he was raised again for a new life. Like Pastor John said earlier, let's not forget that. It's everything. Like Pastor Cordy said, in our offering every week, we put souls. You know what? I wanted every pastor, the Holy Spirit said, I want every pastor to have a voice at church today. Pastor Kevin, Pastor John, Pastor Courtney, why? Because it's our job to empower you to release the power that's in your life that has already arrived in you. But I'm here to tell you, for those of you who don't know Jesus, salvation has arrived today. Now is the day for salvation. So before we get to the next part of our service, like the young woman this morning who gave her heart to the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity. If everybody would bow their heads, just out of respect for everybody else, because you don't know who needs salvation today. But say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. His blood covers my sin. You raised him from the dead. Raise me to a new life. Jesus, I put my faith in you. Holy Spirit, make me brand new today. Give me a new life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Everybody keep your eyes closed, head bowed for one second. If you said that prayer, you meant it. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to know that even if you died tonight, you'd spend eternity in heaven. You said that prayer, it could be the first time or the fifth time. It doesn't matter if you said it and you meant it and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Go ahead, higher, higher. I see those hands. Higher all over this church. Higher, raise them higher. 